Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you once again, having spent a whole month camped in the same place in the Rio Grande Valley. But we are in the motorhome, so we have good stuff to talk about in terms of our RVing lifestyle. But... The old RV has not moved one foot since last time. It's our style to stay in one place for the month of January. Because, as you know, weather cannot be trusted in January in any part of the United States. And even though this has been a relatively mild winter from what we see on the news, that well, has meant that the weather oh, down here in the Rio Grande has been even better than it usually is. Oh, we'd like to make you jealous because, boy, has it been nice. We've had these wonderful string of 75 to 80 degree days with sun and, uh, well, a little wind. But uh, that's typical for the Rio Valley. I think this has been the nicest winter we have spent away so far. And I'm wishing I had brought more pairs of shorts and left <laughs> we, that pile of sweaters at home. We come for the cold, that's for sure. But this year it has been exceptionally nice, and we haven't had a drop of rain since we've been here, since we talked to you last. Which is nice for us, but I think an indicator of the yeah. severe drought that Texas has been suffering. Although our neighbors told us that before we got here they had two inches of rain in December. Um, it's still in deficit here, and I believe throughout the entire state. Although they've had some tornadoes. And yeah. big thunderstorms yeah. north of us. But overall, Texas has proven itself to be a good place to visit in, in the winter. And as Winter Texans, which we, as our official name, your RV navigators, and Winter Texans, uh, Texas has uh, been very welcoming and is welcoming to us uh, senior citizens. Contrary Ooh, senior to citizen. the reaction of some of our neighbors back home, who, when we said we were coming all the way down uh, to the border, um, <laughs> <laughs> Their eyes widened as big as saucers, and you could tell that they were quite worried and fearful for our safety down here. And I guess if you watch too much news and, and don't look at maps enough, uh, <laughs> well, we there are on the border. certainly is a lot of bad news on the Mexican side of the border, which now and again filters over to this side. But doesn't affect us winter texans it has not at all even though we are only three miles from the border we have not seen anything that would giving us cause for feeling unsafe yeah the other night we were um visiting some friends on the other side of mcallen west of here and ken chose to disregard the gps <laughs> and drive around aimlessly in the dark and we kept running into the border now are you criticizing my directions and running into oh. la migra who had big floodlights and i was afraid they were going to come and stop us and say what on earth are you doing down here? We were driving a bit erratically. Um, <laughs> but when the GPS says to go down the the levee road. And it really is just a levee. And it's a dirt road. But it's not designed for travel. But especially it's, not it's the It's designed for <laughs> watching over the levee, I guess, of which there are lots down here. And, and that's one of the things that's amazing to us is, is that it is a definite drought. They're like 20 inches below normal in terms of rain. But this area doesn't depend on rainfall for its water. It's heavily irrigated. Not heavily. It's totally irrigated. We went to a, a, a field trip one of the other times which we were down here. With, um, and, and you recognize now the large stand pipes that are helping to bring yes. the water from one field to another. So um, they seem to be growing crops here, as always, yeah. and people water their lawns, and, and the campgrounds don't have restrictions about watching, washing your rigs. So um, there's drought and there's drought, I guess. So why am I washing the rig with dry wash? I finally bought dry wash. Because so many people raved to you about it, and you're not always in a place where you can uh -huh. wash your rig. And ultimately, it's supposed to be easier or better? Or Well, we're going to give dry wash a try. And thanks to the many folks who have sent us uh, uh, emails over the over the years about what the products that they use, uh, I finally bought into the dry wash concept. And I haven't actually done it in total yet, but uh, oh, I'm certainly planning on it because I just washed it. <laughs> we'll let you know. Well, I washed the roof to get the crud off the roof because 
as I'm sure if you're an RVer, you know that the crud on the roof drips down and then causes streaks on the side, and it's going to continue to do that no matter what product you use. So you got to get the dirt off the roof. So we'll give you our own review once we actually finish putting dry wash all over. Aren't you glad you're listening to this and getting these RV insider tips? <laughs> wash your roof. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> oh, when you've got too much time on your hands, I guess you have time to do all this stuff. <laughs> but only a couple of things are broken down on the old RV. There's always something. Most recently, our hot water heater has taken to blinking on and off. Oh, I should try to turn it on again. Oh, it's off again. Yeah. A water heater you know, at home, like they last five or six years, and of course this one's eight years old now, and it is one of those appliances that's on all the time, and so I guess it's time to replace it. Uh, but much more expensive than your household water heater. Whoosh. But not as cheap as the refrigerator, which we replaced. Not as expensive as... That's expensive. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, Which there's we a lot more to that. Earlier this year. Anyway, as age catches up with the RV, even though it works pretty good, um, things are going to happen, and we are replacing our water heater. Well, we've we think we've ordered one. We'll let you know how that goes next month. Too. <laughs> we won't catch. We won't be out there watching. Listen to me swear anyway. So um, we have been looking at uh, RV parks, and as you know, one of our goals was to uh, compare Florida with Texas, and uh, I think we have found that uh, in most ways for winter Texans, other than uh, if you like to fish, that uh, Texas is probably a better, more friendly RV environment than Florida. I would say it slightly differently. In my mind, mm. Florida has more things to do in and of itself, more tourist attractions, and so you don't need wow. the entertainment that the parks provide mm. us here in the Rio Grande Valley. Mm. But that makes it a lot more easier to meet people here and make friends. Um, many of the people we camp alongside have been coming here for literally over 20 years every winter. Um, you can tell by how they react to each other when a new rig pulls in that they are bosom buddies after living side by side all these winters. And that kind of stuff we didn't see in Florida. The only thing that we saw in Florida was friends who came down together and were still friends while they were camping. Oh, well, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think the people in Florida, there just aren't as many big parks like there are here, but uh, certainly the parks that are there, the people are are friendly and nice and make friends. But the thing here is that there are so many more parks. My point is when you're doing entertainment and activities uh -huh. within the park, that just naturally brings people together. Where uh -huh. if a park doesn't have anything but an occasional potluck, you don't have that opportunity to meet people and like we do here. this park has things in the park to do. Uh, just as a, as we've mentioned before, if you want to take a look at some of the things that go on down here, you look at wintertexan.com. And the wintertexan.com has a newspaper, which they publish uh, weekly. It's about 50 pages long, and it has all of the activities in the Rio Valley for senior citizens, um, i.e. winter Texans, to do. And... That is very impressive to us, and nothing like that in Florida. You can go to entertainment, which is very inexpensive, 4 to $10 uh, every, day. every day, every night. Um, and most uh, you'll have more than one choice virtually every night of the week. And even our own park, well, we rarely go outside the park to uh, go to entertainment, but we have plenty of entertainment right here, So, and it's very reasonably priced. We have our... Tuesday morning breakfast bike ride where we ride uh, three or four miles to a restaurant and we have breakfast for last week it was two ninety nine. A good breakfast. A big, yes, a regular full-size breakfast. Not just a croissant and a cup of coffee. That's right, for two ninety nine. You go to Denny's and you see what you get for two ninety nine, And you'll see that we get breakfast for the both of us for the price that you pay for one back home. So this is uh, overall very impressive to us. The prices of things down here are quite quite reasonable. Uh, the entertainment, the food, even, even uh, you know, pizza buffet is cheap. And, of course... In the park, it's exceptionally cheap. We're going to Valentine's Day prime, oh, prime, prime rib, rib dinner. dinner for $12 each. <laughs> 
That's complete. Oh, and this time, of course, it includes includes table service because many of the events that you go to, you have to bring your own plate and fork and knife and spoon. Which is just fine (laughs) as long as you know that. So down here, it's it's not BYOB, although many times it is, but it's BYOTS. Table service? (laughs) And they say that right at the end or in the publicity for it. BYOTS. And we know that many of you who listen to us are not RVers yet or, mm. or are not um, retired yet. You might be wondering <gasps> if you have a chance to uh, try out the Rio Grande Valley that, yeah, that would work for you. And we have been surprised to see in this park, uh, since we were here last, a number of FEMA trailers that have been purchased for rental. Well, we don't, that, that's kind of a pejorative term. Well, We're going to say that there are a number of rental units that are RVs. That look like FEMA trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody understands what happened. You know, FEMA bought way too many Katrina. trailers. No, not way too FEMA. many. They just bought thousands of them. <coughs> These are all used. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I think so. I don't think so. Anyway, they bought thousands of RV trailers for people to live in during the after the hurricane. After the hurricane, and. After the hurricane was over and the people moved out, they had to have something to do with the trailer, so they sold them to RV parks like this. And this is at least the second time we saw one in Florida that had them, and uh, now this one here. So our street, our street is Banana, which is a major street here in our RV park because it has 1,200 sites, so it has actually a lot of streets. But our street here has at least a dozen trailers on it of unknown vintage uh, but they have permanently installed them and you know put in permanent uh, utilities and made them quite nice i think and they're so they're they're used like motel rooms and we've talked to some of the people who are staying in them since they're our neighbors and they are quite content with um these kinds of accommodations um they have everything inside that you would need if you're going to stay in a cabin or something like that for a month and uh, they have little porches and places to sit outside and they can partake in the rv lifestyle without having to tow an rv down here and i shouldn't just talk about these trailers because many of the parks down here have yeah. more mobile home Homeless, kind right of trailers which you can also rent i know our park has an office that has like a real estate agent that that can help you with a rental my impression is that they would probably not be excited to rent for you for less than a month which when i'm thinking about working people Uh might be a bit (laughs) oh really a bit a lot of work to take (laughs) off a lot of time to take off of work our whole uh, our whole view of things is skewed isn't it but you know it didn't wouldn't hurt to ask i mean if if it's sitting empty and you want to come down here for a week or two and there's money to be made they'll probably run Our it park to you. certainly is not full by any means, so there are possibilities. And the FEMA trailers are just getting full. As I think we mentioned before, February is the big month down in this area, so we expect that February things will be pretty full, but uh, there are always spaces available. And the FEMA trailers, uh, like the couple that's staying next door to us, uh, they used to tow all the way down here. And then they bought a mobile home, which they lived in and rented the site six months a uh-huh. year here. And as they were getting older, or they didn't want to be tied down by that, and they found a good buyer for their mobile home. But they still like the lifestyle down here, so they've come back again and are staying in a trailer. Just driving their car and driving and uh, living in the (laughs) FEMA trailer. You can always tell FEMA trailers because they have no windows. They're very boxy looking. And, of course, on these, they've taken off the wheels and uh, so that they will no longer be towable. But they are still obviously trailers, and they're and they're fairly small. But you know, no smaller than a hotel room, I wouldn't think. And again, you don't have to eat out three times a day right. like you do in a hotel room. They have the the things you need: sheets and towels and pots and pans. Well, in the kitchen, right? That you yeah, would need yeah. to. Uh, to cook as much as you feel like cooking. And I think, as we mentioned last last month, uh, we're paying 620 a month, which is $20 a, a night. For the site. For the site, and where we bring our own RV and spend $600 in fuel to get down here. And the FEMA trailer next to us rents for 1150 a month. Um, which is not that much more when you consider the gas to get... Well, they have to drive down here anyway. Mm -hmm. But the additional gas that we would use to get down here, that's not that much more for the 
accommodations that you would have once you get here if you just drove your car. So you might want to take a listen a look at that, and uh, and certainly it's a, an option for many people. Especially if you've not been a camper before and, and want to explore the campground lifestyle and see if it's something that you would enjoy. Yeah, or if you like an area, just to come down and see how you like southern Texas. And boy, this winter you would definitely like it because it has been beautiful. So it's the place to come. Other years it's cold, but you know, Florida's cold too. We just talked to a friend who had spent two weeks in Florida and had to use their credit card to scrape off their window on their car because it was uh, frozen. And that could happen here too. Yes, although we don't get too much freezing. We are in line with Sarasota in round numbers and much further south than Arizona, any part of Arizona or California. So we have a chance to be much warmer than you would see other places. And we've been looking around at other campgrounds. This campground, uh, Tropic Star, is uh, oldish and... The sites are kind of narrow in some places, but one of the things we like about it is is that there's a huge variety of different kinds of campsites. So that if you all like, for the same price, all for the same price exactly. So that you can choose any site you want, uh, and they will even let you move if you want to. And so if you like treed, they have treed. If you like uh, sites with your own orange tree, they have those. If you like sites that are big, wide with cement pads, they have those. If you like sites that are kind of cramped but lots of friends and neighbors, they have those. And if you like sites that are interspersed with the mobile homes, they have those. And those would be giant lots. And even some of them are pulled throughs so you know there's a huge variety of different campsites we have been around to a variety of parks because we are always on the lookout for the very best park uh we went out to to benston palms uh, for instance and they have uh the very nice new and modern but all the sites are the same and they're substantially more expensive and then we went to another one which was on a river. On and, the Resaca River, Lano Grande. And they had sites, a variety of different sites at different prices. Uh, and substantially more than what we were spending. They were You could spend almost $800 a month for a, just a campsite alone, plus electricity, of course. And they used a different concept than our park here because they had made additions to their park over the years. And with each addition, they built a new pool and a new clubhouse. Ah, yes. So so their facilities were quite small and perhaps devoted to the area where the people were staying, where our stuff is much more centrally located. And everybody congregates in a huge hall and does yes. everything together. And there's one huge swimming pool that everybody uses. And as we've mentioned, if you like square dancing, then southern texas or actually any kind of dancing they have all sorts of kinds of dancing and if you like that sort of thing this is the place to come much more so than than any place else we've ever been there are square dances every night of the week and ballroom dancing line dancing round dancing country and western dancing and again these dances are very cheap to attend just like the entertainment that we've been talking about dancing no ballet no ballet? No ballet. Ooh. Okay, well, anyway, all kinds of dancing. So for those of you who are interested in ballet dancing, sorry, you just won't. Go somewhere go else. Somewhere go else. to New York. <laughs> as you know, we are... <laughs> As you know, we are uh, in the midst of planning for our trip to Alaska, which is actually coming up pretty soon. It seems like summer, and we're going in the summer, but uh, we're going in the summer that uh, is for the rest of the country. So in May sometime, we're going to be leaving on our trip for Alaska, and I do appreciate uh, all of you who have sent your comments to our email about our trip to Alaska and giving us good hints and tips. We are looking forward to it, and it should be pretty exciting. Um, We're going to go for four months. Um, One of the things we did think about was going in a caravan. And why do we decide not to go in a caravan? We have been on caravans, and we've enjoyed them very much, but they are very tightly programmed, and they move along lickety-split. Mm-hmm. And even though a caravan to Alaska seems like it lasts a long time, um, you days. need a long time because you're driving a long ways. And we have found the caravans to be essential when we've been in places like South Africa where we weren't sure what, how things worked, and we weren't sure we could talk to the locals. Uh, that was true when we caravan in 
Mexico, too. But we have been to Alaska before um, while we were still working, and we have very vivid memories of the things we did and saw and remembered feeling rushed because we had to come back and go to work. And so our hope this time is to go up there and do it in a leisurely way. If there is um, a mountain like McKinley that we want to take a picture of outside of the clouds, we might hang around for a week until it comes out of the clouds so we can take that picture rather than moving on to the next site as it's scheduled in the caravan program. Which is not to be negative about caravans. And the reason why I kind of brought this up was that I was reading a blog about a a couple who (laughs) was very down on caravans and looked at the Alaska caravans and finally decided to take an Alaska caravan. And in retrospect, they were extremely happy with it. They liked the happy hours. And one of the things they said was is that we would go to um, the riverboat in Fairbanks and we would say, oh, it's too expensive, so we're not going to do that. And then they would, so they wouldn't do it, whereas when it was built into the program, they did it and they actually had a really good time. Um, so, which is not the kind of thing that we would do. Our, our general philosophy is if it's there, we're going to do it and spend the money to do it. But, but the rallies also provide opportunities for things one package price. that you can't do on your own. I right. remember when we yes. were in Mexico, we saw a lot of dances and yes. entertainments that had to be scheduled South for Africa, our absolutely. group. Yes. And you can't do that by yourself. Yes. So whether, if you like the if you like the evening camaraderie, uh, which we do, uh, and that would be nice to have. I would like to go with a group, but no group will spend the kind of time that we want to spend. And of course, another worry, which we will probably be talking about mm. um, again, <laughs> is that, that when you are alone driving in a remote area and something happens to you mm. or happens to your rig, it could take a while before someone notices or you can get help for yourself, and that makes you feel a bit uneasy. With every caravan no matter what company you go with there's always the guy at the front and the guy at the back called the tail gunner and he follows up uh, and helps anybody who has any problem along the way to make sure that they get to their destination safely and that's uh, a nice nice feature and something we would value but as we as i said they just are traveling too fast for our needs and they're too fixed in their itinerary for instance we're going to be spending a week doing a bear watching in the Katmai, and that would not be possible if we were doing a caravan. We always like to hear from you, so if you have more comments about caravans or about Alaska and can give us some hints, yes, we have bought our mile post. Yes, we have used the church's book to help us with the plans, uh, both of which were excellent suggestions and ones which we had already <laughs> taken advantage of. But if you have new ideas, um, we plan to see all of Alaska. And somebody sent me a nice email about flight seeing, for instance, around Denali, which I thought was uh, something I hadn't really considered, but I probably will. Yes, we are going to buy the coupon book as a result of that so those things are taken care of but if you have specifics um, about the trip that you'd like to share with us and that we could share with our listeners please uh, feel free to email us at navigator at rvnavigator.com and even when we get our coupon book it has many wonderful activities in it but most everything you do in alaska is quite expensive Uh so if you've done one thing that you especially found worthwhile doing or wasn't quite worth the money you spent on it we would really appreciate that as well. Yeah, I'm having a, a particularly hard time coming to grips with how to do Denali because last time when we were in Denali, we t- we did the bus trip, which I think is the only real way to do it. But the bus trip is very frustrating. Not only are you on the bus for 12 hours on a school bus, yeah, they stop, but I'm big on photography. Yes, you can get out any place you want, but catching another bus is not that easy, and you don't have that much time, and you can't spend overnight. So what you did around Denali would be of interest to us. Did you camp in the National Park? I think we did. I think we tried to, yes. Um, How was that? Would you recommend a campground near Denali that would be especially good? Other activities that you did in that area which were fun and exciting? We did a rafting one, I remember. Yeah, I know. I'm asking our listeners, though, to tell us what they've done so that we could kind of plan our our stay in Denali because it is... uh, it's a unique area, and access to it is is limited, so we want to make the most of it. As you know, we did uh, Australia. By cruise ship. Yeah, by cruise ship, and we did New Zealand on the RV, in a rental RV. And our friends that we met while we were in Australia 
Al has sent us a very nice gift, and that was a series of DVDs done by their Motorhome magazine, um, and it's Circumnavigation of Australia in an RV. And we have found them to be fascinating. Um, not only are you yelling at them all the time because they're always driving on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> which is disconcerting, but uh, the couple that does it is quite engaging, and they are going to all parts of Australia. So if you are thinking of going to Australia uh, in an RV or renting an RV while you're in, in Australia, you might want to take a look at these DVDs. They are available from the uh, the Motorhome magazine, and I'll try to put the link on the links page for this episode of the RV Navigator. And if you'd like to, uh, more details about it, uh, why don't you give me a, an email, and I'll and I'll try to take care of it for you but they are going clear around australia they're taking a whole year to do it and it they're doing the videos as they go and showing us the sites so if you'd like to see what you could see and where you could see it and how they get there and how the campgrounds work because their campgrounds are quite a lot different than ours as we've mentioned before they're a lot like the ones we found in new zealand in that they often have in suite which means you have a bathroom and perhaps Kitchen. Sink and cook, cooking area on site, or they kind of might, like a casito, or they might have a cooking area and a common area. Where they you, call it the the amenities block. And, you know, it's just interesting to see how these folks uh, do their RVing. They call their RVs caravans, but it's really a it's really an travel RV trailer. Travel trailer, and how they set up their motorhome or their their tow vehicle and all that sort of good stuff. So, if you're interested, uh, take a look at these. Uh, and it's a twelve. DVD set. It's actually quite nice and quite interesting. And of course, one of the things that they've done is that the lady cooks a lot of their meals and she hands out recipes. Well, they're online. They're online. Well, she yes. She demonstrates it for you and then it's it. online. And I found one to be particularly tasty looking, and that was the Aussie potato salad. Which we've had now twice. Oh! As most of you know, I cook on Tuesdays. Only Tuesdays. Only Tuesdays. It's my night to cook, and I get to cook whatever I want. And so I decided to cook Aussie potato salad. And we struggled a bit with the recipe because it, of course, had ingredients that were unknown to us. Like Literally. Danish salami. Well, that was not, that's not unknown. Um, and, but, and they have terminology for things that are not the same. Well, uh, capsicum. Capsicum, which is pepper. And Rauschers. Rashers, Rashers, which are slices of meat. Bacon. No, not just bacon. Oh, it's not just bacon. No. Rashers are... Slices. Meat just slices. Just slices. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's my impression, at least. So I added four rashers of bacon and, in my and, and that kind of brings up um, another fun thing about watching these videos is all the linguistic yes. differences um, between the Aussies and us. Sometimes we have to rewind a bit and re-listen a bit to figure out what on earth they're talking about. And one of the sponsors is Cooper Tires. The Cooper Tire Man comes on regularly and talks about uh, tire issues. And one of the things that I would like to hear from our listeners, if you have ever heard of this in the United States, I've never heard of this, and that is that you measure the footprint of your tires in your tow vehicle and they should be the exact same footprint as the tires in your tow vehicle, as, as your trailer. Same length of rubber Hits on the, the road. road. And they have a way of measuring it where he took and measured out how much rubber was on the road. So he inflated the tires until the footprint of both vehicles matched. And that, of course, Whoa. was only simple if your tires and your tow vehicle and your trailer were of a similar size, because then you had to do some math if you had bigger tires on your caravan than you did in your tow vehicle. It sounded complicated. I don't understand. It had to do with safety. Is what I'll try said. to put that... I'll try to put a link to that up on my up on our webpage again so that you can see that also. And the other thing that these DVDs have, because it's not just a travelogue, is they have various products <laughs> that they buy and use as they travel around the country. Yes. Various kinds of cookers and safety <laughs> yeah. devices. And these people carry around with them so much, so many utensils, extra utensils for cooking. Outside, yes. especially. I know. It's fascinating. And some of them are even available in the United States <gasps> through outrageous. Amazon, outrageous. of course. Expensive. Um, things we'd never heard of. So 
so it's fun to look at in that the way Aussie as well. cooker. Because they do a lot of their cooking outdoors instead of cooking inside of their RV or at the amenities block. Another website that you might want to take a look at if you're interested in cooking in your RV is lifeinanrv.blogspot.com. And this person shares rather complex complex recipes and how they make them in their RV. You want to continue to be a foodie in your RV but don't have a lot of uh, accessories to cook in, then you might want to take a look at this because they had some great um, suggestions on how to make complex meals simple. From scratch. From scratch. (gasps) Yes, for the Aussie We don't have many scratch meals on Tuesdays. For For the Aussie potato salad, I actually had to have ingredients. I never have ingredients, but... This way. I mean, my idea of ingredients is when you... Buy... Defrost something. No, that's not ingredients. That's that's my idea of cooking. <laughs> Defrost it and put it or put it in the oven or in the microwave. Or buy a mix where you have to add water. Oh, sometimes an egg. Okay. So anyway, uh, there are some good uh, options for you if you're interested in cooking. Now, another w- interesting website that you might want to take a look at after you've looked at the cooking one is Groupon for RVers. Hmm. This is a new site, which actually has no deals at the moment, but it's called RVDailyDeals.com. <laughs> and RV Daily Deals is going to have uh, Groupon-ish types of deals for us RVers. For campgrounds or for stuff? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe both. Maybe for everything. So wherever they get good deals, they're going to share them with the RVing community and you can share in the buying. Get a bargain. Get a bargain. That's us. More and more people have e-readers. And of course, lately there have been lots of new e-readers. We love the e-readers, and lately we've been getting so many magazines with our e-readers. And our e-reader is... An iPad. An iPad. But with the Kindle Fire and the several other Kindles that are available, and the Barnes & Noble Nook... Boy, if you don't have an e-reader, you're out of sync. And, and, I just and we're seeing course. more and more of them among our fellow geezers, which That's didn't exactly used to be I, the case. Exactly used to be people would stare at us when we'd be using something like that. And now everybody around here seems to have a reader of one sort or another. The iPad, of course, is fairly expensive um, and at the high end, but it is a real computer. So if you're taking a look at the Fire or one of the other Kindles or the Nooks, basically they're a reader and they do a little web browsing sometimes, but not much else. But the iPad is someplace that you can store all of your pictures uh, from your digital camera as well as um, have a complex set of web pages and lots of other applications to to work on your pictures. And I could even make podcasts. I can make this podcast on my iPad. And because you have 20 or 30 books on yours and I have tons of magazines on mine, it really saves in terms of weight. I, I find the, the magazine world still a conundrum um, in that there's no uniformity. And, of course, some magazines are not available electronically at all. Um, oh. You put me on to Zinio, which is kind of a compilation of a number of magazines that want to put themselves up um, electronically. But many of the things that I read all have their own apps. So I find myself having to download a number of apps and keep track of them individually I hope that that shakes itself out and everybody becomes electronic and that you can have the option not to get the paper copies, which we pay to have forwarded to us. And by the time they come, we've already read it on our iPad and they're throwing it away, which is kind of a waste. I hope that that, I'm sure it will, will become more uniform and more pervasive. Yes, and and easier to do. And why bother to print the paper copy when you can get it electronically is our feeling uh she's talking about apps and we have another nice new app here that's available (laughs) this is something i'm a little surprised at Uh, governor christie new jersey new jersey chris christie uh, has announced that the new jersey state parks now has its own app and they're using this app as a money-making operation because it has ads in it, and you can do all sorts of things uh, having to do with the national, having to do with the New Jersey state parks. But the, they're trying to make the state parks self-sustaining, 
And one of the ways they're doing it is by having an app. So if you'd like to take a look at that, www.stateparkapps.com. And I might add that if you watch too much TV and if you've gotten an impression of New Jersey from The Sopranos, that it's mostly <laughs> smokestacks and pollution and Which it is. expressway, that it does have a lot of nice parks. We've stayed in them and nice beaches as well. Yeah, but well, it's not the so. first place I would go. <laughs> but it, it has yes. a lot to offer. Okay. For it does indeed. You know, we were also talking about last month about the RV show, and it seems that uh, finally we now have a small diesel pusher. You know, we love the diesel pusher concept because it makes the front so nice and spacious and You get away from the engine noise. So the diesel pusher concept is one that we really like, plus the fact that it gives you much more storage underneath. And why is that? Because it doesn't have that drive... Train? She has learned something. Yes. <laughs> no, drive shaft. Drive right. shaft coming down right. the middle. If you have an engine in the front, you have to have this huge drive shaft that comes right down the middle so you can't have pass-through compartments. And that's a big waste of space to me, and so why not just have the engine in the back? And Fleetwood has come out with a new 33-footer for $175,000, which is pretty reasonably priced for a diesel pusher. It's called the Excursion. You might want to take a look at this if you're shopping for a new RV. V- uh, very diesel pusherish looking, but uh, the price is reasonable, and it is very nicely equipped on the inside with a 40-inch TV that comes down, uh, uh, that lifts and comes down automatically. From the ceiling? In actuality, no. It comes from behind the kitchen someplace. Huh. Anyway, you might want to go. Well, it claims to have all the space you need for family fun, so they must be very creative in terms of how they've done the inside. And a 33-footer is make very, room for and a it's, not a, it's not a, uh, a tandem, so <coughs> and 33 foot is very reasonable these days. I don't know what kind of gas mileage it gets, but it has a 6.7-liter diesel engine in it, of course. Now, another cool thing that we found is the claw. Claw. Be prepared for sudden desert winds with the claw. Don't let those sudden desert winds raise havoc with your RV awning. So this anchoring system for your awning um, is kind of a three-pronged thing, and you drive three kind of smallish stakes in, and it's got uh, 11, 1,200 pounds of force that it would take to rip it up. Sounds like a lot to me. And we'll put the link for this particular product on the website, but if you look at the main website, greatrvaccessories.com, you'll see that it's a collection of all sorts of cool gizmos and gadgets that RVers might <sighs> like to have. have. Uh, we might have to look at this site again next December Ooh. or November no, when we're talking look. about Christmas Gifts. presents Ooh, yes, for of RVers. Course. And, of course, we always like to have 12, well, a lot of people like 12-volt gizmos. 12-volt accessories. accessories and appliances. And, and here's what I can't, I really don't believe this. This is an oven, a 12-volt oven available from roadprooncom Perfect for camping, tailgating, or whatever your life takes you. This powerful all-purpose stove is great for cooking your favorite meals. Plug it into your 12-volt socket and reheat leftovers or cook a tasty dish. You could cook in your car. While you're driving. No more... Cooking on the manifold. Cooking on the manifold. But this is a very compact-looking little oven that folds up uh, completely so that the, no no exterior parts. And It comes in a compact little case. Yes. And again, if you go to the main website, roadproonthego.com, they have a number of other heating devices that you might want to use. Well, not only heating, but a use, vacuum. Um, like a pizza oven and... <sighs> Pizza, cook pizza while I'm driving down the road? Well, or after you get to somewhere and you're tailgating. Mm-hmm. Be more Go for tailgating, yeah. yeah. Ice, an ice maker? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they have a number of um, interesting gizmos and gadgets that you don't normally think of Travel in the 12-volt 12, 12 world. Eat, drink, live on the go. That's us. <laughs> what? Run down your battery. <laughs> run down your, how to run down your battery in no time at all. Oh, they also had a gizmo for jump, giving yourself a jump after you <laughs> run down the battery. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's why we have a generator, I guess. I guess. We'll just take the the 110. Right now I have my LED nightlights outside lighting up the steps on the RV and lighting up uh, the area around us so that at night... We don't trip and fall, and we can find the lock to put the key in it. Exactly. But wouldn't it be nice to have a light that hangs down from your awning? Yes, of course it would be. And it's LED. Four LED lights are 100 times brighter than standard LEDs. And it's solar-powered. 
Yeah, which is even cooler. I'm going to have to buy this. It hangs down. It's got a remote control. Remote control. Key ring remote control for your light. Okay. <laughs> and where would we put it? That's Hanging length is fully adjustable from 7 inches to 32 inches, and it can shed light up for up to 8 hours on a full charge with two light settings. Easy to install and no electrical access required. And once again, that's at... Uh, GreatRVAccessories.com And of course, where will you find a link for this? On our show notes At RVNavigator.com You got it! Okay So that's enough for accessories This is the time of year when people go buying an RV Well, in the wintertime The RV RV salesmen aren't making a lot of sales And so they have um, RV shows Especially in northern cities And we used to love to go to them And think about the summer And traveling again um, In the middle of the cold Chicago winter So that gets you in the mindset Of thinking about buying an RV So, uh, this is seven steps That we would suggest that you use Before you get your RV Well, we actually found this article Which we'll give you the link to But... Step number one, try before you buy. Rent if you can. Yeah, and that can be problematic because renting an RV is quite expensive, but it's, it's it's much more expensive if you buy the wrong rig for right. and but find out days, after you, you know, bought you can, it. Yeah, but you can you don't even have to drive it. You can if you want to rent one like the FEMA trailers next door, you could do that. But I think and living in the RV, well, that's to driving to drive it, it too, would okay. be important. Plan also. a week long or a, a weekend RV trip before with a rental RV. Certainly, that's a definite possibility. Or go with a friend. Go with a friend, right? We Atten- used to love friends who had boats. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Step two: attend an RV show you don't go to an rv show just to see what's new although that's obviously the main purpose that they are there but you can learn so much going to different um, rvs and comparing floor plans talking to the salesmen and to all the vendors that are there as well to sell you products to support the rv lifestyle Exactly, and you can go to seminars and learn from experts and find out what's uh, what's going on in the RV world because this will give you better choices to make a decision. Step three, which type of RV is right for you and your family? There's so many choices, so many floor plans. It can be really hard to decide. And certainly one thing you want to think about is how often you're going to use that RV. If you're a family person who's still working full-time, you might get a two-week vacation and an occasional weekend here or there. So something small and simple and economical might make better sense for you. If you like to go in the deep piney woods, you need something small that will get you into the piney woods. If you want to haul your toys, you want to have a toy hauler, but you want to take a look at those to see what's available. If you plan to travel and live full-time like us, then you want a fifth wheel or a motorhome would be a wiser choice. The right type of RV is out there. You just need to find it, and that's one of your goals for by going to the, the RV show. But think carefully and listen to the RV Navigator podcast for our points of view, and then make your own choice. New versus used. Whew. Well, I think we've talked before yes. about our opinion, at least in terms of the motorhome, which is very expensive. We're very happy that we brought, bought used. Uh, it was lightly used. Um, everything was still working well, and it cost us a lot less. Um, and we've and talked to people who have bought some new units that have had some glitches and lemony kind of things that they had to work out before they were really good to go on the road. We are basically buy it new people, and we rarely buy used, but buying the this motorhome used was one of the best things we ever did, I think, because, it, as she says, saved money and we got a better coach. And, of course, it makes such a difference how the original owner has taken care of and the rig. I remember another one we looked at that was so clean you could have eaten out of the sewer compartment. Um, the, those people were really meticulous in terms but a lot of their of, care and upkeep. But a lot of full-timers are that. And and some get beat up. Uh, some people buy rigs and don't maintain them uh, because they find that they aren't using them, and you can pay for that when you buy that kind of a rig as a used product. Do your research. Number five, buying an RV is a major investment, similar to an automobile or your home. You need to do your research before you buy. There are lots of RV manufacturers and lots of RV brands to choose from. You can research manufacturers on the Internet, request brochures, take factory tours, and attend local RV shows. 
Often when you go to an RV show, there will be rigs that are there that they will be selling uh, for an extra good price mm-hmm. because they've yes. had to bring them to the show and they don't necessarily want to drive them back to wherever they came from. Um, and I could see myself getting swept up in the good dealness of it. So uh, you you might get a real good deal buying at a show, but you want to really think about that unit, whether it's perfect for you in every way, before you plunk down all that cash. Buy from a reputable RV dealership. How do you or know? Or buy it whether, off the web. How do you know whether they're reputable? I don't know. I used. We bought directly from the person who owned it. I mean, it's always a good idea to buy from a reputable dealership, but you're going to pay for that too. Right. And I don't it know. depends how much you know about it yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. You know, at least have it checked out before you before you do buy it. Because a lot of RVs are sold for um, reasons other than that there's something wrong with the RV. Whereas cars are a different story, I think. And I think RVers tend to maintain their vehicles more. Anyway, number seven, protect your RV investment. When you purchase your RV, consider some other factors that will help protect your investment. I would recommend looking into some type of extended service contract that goes beyond the manufacturer's warranty. There are numerous plans available. We had one of those for a while, but now that our rig is even older, we decided to cancel it. And I didn't find it very useful. No. We were disappointed. And get specialized RV insurance coverage for the driving part. That's very important. Yes, and much, much cheaper. We went from State Farm to... Progressive, progressive and saved over a thousand dollars and that's a big annually annually and that's a big factor and and people who virtually the same who coverage. insure rvs are just more in tune to rvs and how things work and what rvs need car yeah. car people are interested in cars and they cover the inside you know all the contents of it and, and that sort of stuff uh, and they even have uh, ones that are that are full replacement should you need or want to get that those are seven steps you might want to take a look at those if you're if you're interested in buying a new rv and or an rv period because it is a great lifestyle and I think it will be uh, continuing into the future. So we saw an article called Big Retirement Myth, You'll Spend Less from Fox Business uh, in 2012. I think this myth must have originated in olden times when people didn't live as long as we do now and people's concept of retirement was to sit on the porch and knit or sit in a little rowboat and go fishing and not be very active or very lively. But certainly with we baby boomers and those coming behind us, the whole concept of retirement has changed greatly. And most people, if their health allows them to, want to do a lot of stuff. And when you do stuff, it costs money. Um, It could be travel expenses, which is what we have. It could be doing more things with and for your family, which costs money. It could be spending more time playing golf, which costs money. People are disappointed that this myth is not true, and I would say I would pretty much agree that we are spending as much money now as we did when we were working. Well, but I also think that our needs, if we were to cut back, it would be easier to cut back to a much lower level than than we had when we were when we were working. Like medical insurance goes down dramatically for most people. It depends. For most people, it goes down dramatically. Because Medicare is much less expensive than than buying your own insurance. We've talked to many people who have that. Other expenses like saving for retirement, you don't have to do that anymore. And your tax rate may go down fairly dramatically. So that there are a number of ways that you can save money while you are retired that will actually mean your expenses will be less. I mean, what you're talking about are discretionary. Yes. To me, the biggest thing that changed for me was as a professional person, I spent a lot more money on clothing and staying up to date in terms of my appearance than I do now. When you only wear jeans and a (laughs) T-shirt, it doesn't much matter. And we don't drive our cars nearly as much. Right. I mean, we have the motorhome, but that's a discretionary purpose, discretionary expense. Well, then maybe we should say being a retired person in and of itself might be cheaper. Yes. But as soon as you start doing stuff, and if you've got retirement plans and dreams, they're going to cost money. Yes, but you can, you, when you retire, you can live quite frugally, I think. And it will actually cost you less to live at the same level you were living at while you were working. It will cost you less to live as you were while you were working than it did while you were working. 
And certainly as people who have nothing to do all day long, we can time the things that we do so much better than we could as working people. Um, we love to go to theater performances in Chicago. Uh, when you go on Friday night and Saturday night, you pay through the nose. When you go on the, the Wednesday matinee or Tuesday night, you pay a whole lot less. Um, you can take advantage of Senior Citizen Monday at the local cinema and pay less. So those kinds of bargains are much more available to you as a, old, a retired oldster and can save you money. And we go to the inexpensive dinners before 4 o'clock. <laughs> so if you want to go out to eat, you can, and it will cost you less money. I think overall we spend less money. We, we could spend less yes. money. We spend what we have, and I think that's what everybody does. But what we have will go further than it would if we were working. Certainly, I mean, we drive no miles I mean, we've got a new car that has 4,000 miles on it. That we bought in June, May? In June, right. Yeah, it's seven months old and it has 4,000 miles on it. Now, that's not exactly a lot of driving, and it didn't cost us much to drive those 4,000 miles. So so I think that retirement is actually quite a lot less expensive than, than working. So it's not a myth. I don't think it is. I'm this this, this article. And this, this article, article talks a lot more about medical expenses. But I think medical expenses will be less for most people. Especially if you're paying for insurance, because Medicare costs me $114 a month. And for most people, $114 a month is a bargain for uh, medical insurance. Where was it? They also talked about having to spend a lot of extra for a medical. It says, health care can take a huge bite out of your nest egg. Fidelity Investments recently estimated that a 65-year-old couple retiring today can expect to pay, on average, about $230,000 on health care. For what? Well, that's what they said in Fidelity Magazine. Don't ask me. I have. It depends how how healthy you are. I assume you should buy Medigap insurance, supplemental yeah. insurance of some sort. Yeah, but still. <coughs> well, we are up in the air about this. And out of pocket expenses. What do you think, dear listeners? Is this a, is it cheaper to be retired than to live uh, at, at the working life? And certainly my mother, who is obviously much older than I am, spends a lot of money on drugs, even with the supports that have come in the last few years to subsidize those drug purchases. But you pay a lot less than you would pay if you were before you retired or before you're on Medicare. Right. So you pay a lot less. Right. So it would be less to be right. retired. And the other thing they mentioned in this article is um, taxes that they assume will always be going up on things like property. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. These are f interesting times economically. Many of the things that we assumed, like buying a house is always a good investment because it will go up in price, um, are not necessarily the case anymore. Um, we will be here for another two weeks before we head off and start on uh, a little bit more of an adventure because the weather will be getting better and we will be heading east and north and uh, around and to the water and to the water so next month when you listen to us we will be uh, on the road once again and we'll have some more miles under our belt and we will be talking to you probably from new orleans one of our favorite cities good old cajun food so without uh, further ado we will say goodbye for this month and hope that you're camped in a campground near us we will be here for a couple more weeks but if you're headed to the gulf coast let us know and we'll meet you there happy travels bye now